everybody, I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my books, my preaching, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com. Well, howdy, y'all. This is the Thanksgiving episode of This Good Word, episode 65, Thanksgiving. And I want to share a few thoughts uh, about this Thanksgiving in particular. And then I want to replay my most listened to episode in all of the 64 previous episodes. And it's one that I did all the way back in the fall of last year. And the title of the word was Grace. It's the most downloaded, most listened to episode that I've ever done. And I think it's because uh, we are so starving to claim and reclaim these words. These spiritual slash religious slash life-giving words that have gotten stolen away from us. And so um, I'm going to share a few thoughts about uh, maybe what you're going to deal with this Thanksgiving. And then we're going to dive. I'm just going to replay Grace. So um, first of all, though, a couple thoughts. Uh, I never did sort of update you all on Genderful, this conversation that we had with Aaron Lane in St. Paul on November 12th. About 40 people showed up, and it was spectacular. I mean, it was one of the most expansive conversations, uh, safe spaces that I've ever been in to discuss the issue of we are made in God's genderful image, masculine and feminine. And it was, I mean, it was just gorgeous. We had meant to release the audio on that, but we had some pretty major audio difficulties on the recording to the degree that we cannot release it. And that's a huge bummer. On the other hand, I think these kinds of events, I mean, as I was thinking about it, um, because there was so much discussion and so much uh, reflection, journaling, that kind of thing, you just listening to the audio and the little bit of teaching that Aaron Lane and I did, uh, I think might not be that helpful anyway. I mean, certainly it would be a conversation starter, but I think it would leave you with so many other questions and it would leave you so hungry to be around uh, the room that we were in talking together that I think would ultimately be frustrating. So uh, anyway, we're not going to release that audio. Um, so on one level, bummer. On another level, um, gosh, next time, uh, come to those events because they were so, so great. So a few words about Thanksgiving. Number one, I think right now, um, as cliche as it may sound, I think the practice of gratitude, the practice cultivating gratitude right now is so important. But it may feel gratuitous right now, honestly. Uh, Gosh, does that come from the same root word, gratuitous and gratitude? I'm certain it does, but I'm just now realizing it. No, it may feel gratuitous right now when there's so much kind of craziness going on in the world right now. Um, There's a lot of hate. Uh, There is a lot of blaming, a lot of scapegoating, as I talked about uh, in previous episodes last week. Um, And there's a lot of just nastiness happening right now uh, on our social media sites. And there's also, I mean, lest we forget, craziness happening around the world. Uh, The civil war in Syria is still raging. Refugees are still looking for homes all over the place. Um, And um, racial tensions are still at a peak in our country, at least, and around the world. And so there's just a lot of things going on. And it may feel like to pause and and feel grateful for what you have, again, may feel gratuitous. So number one... 
I want to say you have to pause and do it anyway. Uh, honestly, you have to have moments in your day. And I would say a good practice between now and Christmas day, if you so choose to accept it would be to spend a few minutes in the morning and a few minutes at night in the morning, just breathing in and breathing out and naming the things out loud or writing them down, the things that you feel grateful for. Maybe it's simply that the sun is shining today. Maybe it's simply that uh, you had a great cup of coffee. Uh, or maybe it's a little bit bigger. You're, you think about the loved ones in your life and you're so grateful for them. Uh, you think about the gift that God has given you through a certain relationship or something else. Um, and then do it again at night, just a couple of minutes to reflect and be out loud. Name It's not, honestly, it's not enough just to think it. And just trust me on this. You have to name it out loud, say it out loud, or write it down. And cultivating that pattern will get you to a place where you're actually, over time, where you become more grateful just automatically because you start looking for things for which to feel grateful. Um, this may sound like the oldest, cheesiest, most cliche practice ever, but I think sometimes those old practices are, they become cliches because they're so powerful. I have this friend named Dan, Dan Bennett, right here in Maple Grove. He's one of the dudes in my life that he's practiced, he's, he's practiced gratitude for a few years now. And he says that it's absolutely changed his life. Uh, perhaps I'll have him on the podcast to talk about gratitude. Um, so number one, do a practice of gratitude. Do, do it out loud and do it uh, or do it in a written form. Uh, number two, uh, stay off of social media for at least periods of the day these days. I've really noticed ever since the election it's like a bad car crash. I can't stay away from Twitter and Facebook. I keep reading people's reactions and I keep reading um, uh, opinions. And friends, I do think it's really important to be aware of what's happening in the world. And as I said last week, to protest in ways that make sense for you. The things that you feel like you need to protest. I, I feel like that's so important right now. So I'm definitely not advocating putting your head in the sand. Uh, but there's a difference between advocating and getting out there in the world, protesting good things, uh, protesting things that you need to protest versus just sort of endlessly scrolling on Facebook and feeding on angsty neg negativity. I think in this world sometimes, and this is the, I mean, this is the caution, we feel like because we've been out loud on Facebook or Twitter about an injustice that we see, we feel like we've done something about it. And again, I'm not saying it's bad to be out loud on social media about something for which you feel like there is an injustice. It's probably good at some level. And it, but it's, it's so actually small and limiting and it does less than you think. So make your peace, say your thing, and then get involved with an organization, a movement, something that where you get skin in the game beyond just words on social media. Write a check to an organization. Start volunteering for an organization that actually advocates for the people that you feel uh, are the most vulnerable right now. Support people that are doing good work in the world. 
Uh, I was just thinking lately, I think what we're going to see in the next year or two, if we have eyes to see it, we're going to see art and music and um, expressions that are uh, beautiful and uh, full of truth that sort of says it in a, in a, in a sideways way. I think we're going to start seeing that in the next year or two. That's going to be the biggest, that's going to be the prophetic voice. It's going to be the artists, the musicians, the people that put out plays and musicals and, and, um, and paintings and, and poems and books. And so if you have an artist that you really think is doing that well, support them. Uh, gosh, you know, if I were to lump myself into that category, most of us are trying our best, but you know, um, a little support doesn't doesn't hurt, and and um, so so do that. Lastly, uh, you're going to be sitting around tables with people, extended family, and nuclear families, where you're going to disagree and stuff, and the drinks might be flowing, and and um, so just just kindness, folks. Practice kindness this Thanksgiving. Practice grace. Practice open mindedness. This would be a great time to listen. Uh, and it, it, if someone's going on and on and on, you just can't stand it. Leave the room. It's okay to do that. It's okay to do that. But don't, you know, don't try to try to trade jab for jab or word for word. This is not the time and the space to do it. Have good conversations. Have expansive conversations. Even debate if you can do so without killing each other. But I really want to encourage you to to, um, to practice some grace too. All right, folks, on that note, please enjoy uh, Grace. It's the episode that I put out, gosh, last fall. And uh, I think it's going to be a good one for us to revisit. So enjoy. Love you all. And we'll be back next week. Everybody, welcome to This Good Word, Episode 7. I cannot believe we're already at Episode 7. I've been having so much fun on this deal. This good word, reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. And the word today is grace. And I think uh, if you've grown up in any kind of a religious system, especially a church system, this word is so familiar that it has probably become unfamiliar to you and to me. So I want to talk about grace today. I want to define it and redefine it. I want to talk about becoming the kind of person who knows how to receive and give grace. I want to explore the two biggest obstacles to giving and receiving grace. And of course, I want to tell some stories about this wonderful, expansive word that has the power to radically redefine how you see yourself, how you see God, how you see others. And so I am very excited to dive into this word, this very good word. But first, as always, some shout outs. Uh, a big, huge, humongous, gigantic shout out to Helene from the Netherlands. I got this email from Helene. She is a friend of Lisa, my friend here in Minneapolis, and she's been listening to this good word. And Helene said, I absolutely love this good word. And I also love uh, the first two chapters of the book, which she read. My book, Beginnings, releases in January, uh, but I have made the first two chapters available to people. 
And Helene read them and said, I love them. The only problem is that there's a lot of my friends here in the Netherlands who are not going to be able to read it in English. So she said, I will translate it into Dutch for you. I mean, how amazing is that? That, that, that. Helene, you are amazing. You are, I mean, wow. So I emailed that offer to the good people at NavPress and Tyndale who are publishing it, and who knows what'll happen. But anyway, Helene, you are the best. Yay. Hey, also huge, and I mean enormous shout outs to Becky, John, Haynes, Scotty, Julie, my sister, Heidi, Molly, Jeremy, and Jared, and Betsy. Uh, all of you finished the marathon. Betsy did the 10 mile this last Sunday. I ran with you guys. And uh, we raised $32,000 for clean water in Africa through Team World Vision. And I mean, I was, I was elated all that whole race. I had a smile on my face and I felt great. You guys, I've never had a marathon where I felt so strong the whole way. And I really think it was because we were all in it together. And just knowing that we had raised uh, enough money so that 600 kids all around Africa will now have access to clean water through Team World Vision is just, um, for me, that is just one of the best things, one of the best ways that I can spend my energy and time. So thank you, you guys. You are great. And some new listeners to this good word. Yay. Uh, Vermont, you've been holding out on me for seven weeks now, but you're finally in the game. Yay, Vermont. Yay. There's only four states, um, actually five, if you count Hawaii, uh, that have not tuned in to this good word. But Vermont, you were a holdout. You're in now. Yay. Also, Namibia, Madagascar, Senegal, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Hungary, and yes, my friends, Belgium. Finally, you are in the game. Uh, I think I mentioned in one of the other episodes that I uh, lived five years in Belgium from 1983 to 1988, went to St. John's International School, made some amazing friends, uh, still dream about my time in Belgium, still think about it. Uh, so many great teachers and friends from St. John's and so many experiences in Belgium that are so great. And so uh, I don't know who you are, you, you crazy Belgian, but thanks for tuning in to this good word. And uh, before we dive into the word, I want to tell you that starting this week, I'm going to make show notes available on my on my website, steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S. And uh, what show notes are, are basically, I'm going to include quotes and links and all the interesting things that I talk about today. You can go on my site and check them out. I'm going to recommend a couple of books and some music and different things like that. And instead of having to remember where it is or having to rewind the podcast, you can just go to my site and check out my show notes. I will make these available for every episode that I do. So what you need to do is just go to steveweens.com and find the uh, blog of This Good Word, Episode 7, Grace, Show Notes. So uh, if you're listening relatively recently you know, to the actual date, which this is released, which is October 8th, 2015, then it'll be easy to find. If you are backlogged, then just search for Episode 7, Grace, uh, and you will be all set. Okay, let's dive into uh, this good word, this very good word, 
of grace. And I think, again, as I mentioned it, if you've grown up in any kind of religious system, this word's maybe been hijacked, it's maybe been overused, it's maybe been used so much that it feels sort of vanilla. And, um, you know, basically, I think what most of us would say is that it means to be let off the hook, which is no small thing. Uh, to be forgiven, to be let off the hook, to be uh, uh, given something you don't deserve in a good way. Man, I mean, those are excellent. Those are that's an excellent definition of grace, but I think it's very limited, actually. The word grace in the Greek that we read all over the New Testament is a, work, a Greek word called charis, and I will give this definition on the show notes. But it means that which affords joy or pleasure, or delight, something that brings sweetness or charm, something that is lovely or evokes goodwill, loving kindness, or favor. It also means thanks. Charis is where we get our word charisma or charismatic. Uh, It can mean so many good things. But I want to expand what it means from just being let off the hook, which, again, is such a great thing. There's something much deeper, much more beautiful and nuanced to be delighted in, to be favored, to bring pleasure or joy to. Grace means all those things. So... Uh, I have this friend. His name is Rabbi Allen. He's a Jewish rabbi. He's a friend. He's a mentor. uh, And a few of us have studied. He lives in Boston. But he flies to Minneapolis and he leads studies for about 12 of us and many others actually. But my little group is about 12. And um, we study the scriptures. We We study it Socratically, which means tons and tons of questions. And it is just so fascinating. It's, it's incredible. And my friend Rabbi Allen is just so full of wisdom and grace and kindness and joy. He's just a big Labrador retriever, really. Uh, he is, his eyes are shine and sparkle. And this one time he told this story about his mom who died. And before she died, one of his favorite things to do with his mom was to eat her chocolate cake. So she would make this chocolate cake for special occasions, birthdays, but she would also, you got the sense, you know, she would make it sometimes on Sabbath, Shabbat, which uh, for our brothers and sisters who are Jewish begins on Friday night, ends on Saturday night, and the point of Shabbat is to rest and celebrate and have fun and engage in pleasurable things like eating chocolate cake. And so he was telling us that, that one of the things he missed the most about his mom was her chocolate cake. And so when we got home that night, Mary, my wife, uh, who makes an amazing chocolate cake, a crazy, uh, there's like four sticks of butter in this thing. It is incredibly velvety and buttery. It is so good. She said, honey, I think I want to make some chocolate cake to bring to the group tomorrow so that Rabbi Allen can have some. And I thought that was just such an amazing idea. So Mary made it and it, she makes it from scratch. It's not from the box. Uh, the, the it's, it's real. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Frosting, especially, she brought it the next day and she brought it out after the study time, you know, after the meal. And she presented it to the group and said, uh, Rabbi Allen, this is for you. This is because I want you to experience something delightful and I want you to remember your mom. 
And he was just so, he took it in, he received it. I mean, he ate that cake. I mean, he, and, but it's really cool. He ate the frosting first because he's like, you know, the frosting is really the best part and you can't risk getting too full on the cake part because then you might miss the frosting. And so we enjoyed this cake and it was just so, I mean, delicious. And it was, it was just so fun to see him light up. And then a couple of days later, he invited me out for coffee. And I had, I had not, I didn't know him very well then. And I'd never been out to coffee with him before. And, you know, he's, he's in his early sixties. He's this guy that I revere and, and honor and, and admire. And he invited me out to coffee. And I honestly didn't know why he invited me out to coffee. So I was getting worried. You know how you do like, like you kind of make up a story of this is the reason why he's invited you out, to, out, out for coffee. And I was convinced it was because he wanted to confront me that maybe during the study times I had dominated too much or, or said something that was offensive to him or someone else. And he just, you know, probably wanted to let me know that. And so I was a little nervous when I sat down, we went to the Starbucks in Wyzetta, Minnesota, and we sat down and we were just kind of chit-chatting and he was just real loose and real free and he was having fun. And, uh, but I was nervous. And so I finally just kind of said, basically, okay, you know, I, I love that, that we're here having coffee this morning, but like, why did you invite me here? I, I don't, I don't get it. And I sort of braced myself, you know, looked into his eyes and, 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 and braced myself. And then he smiled and he paused and he said, Steve, you know, that chocolate cake that, uh, that Mary made. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, great. The guy just wants the recipe. I mean, I could have emailed it to you. right? I mean, you don't have to take me out to coffee to get the recipe. I'm thinking all this. I'm not saying any of this. So I just, you know, kind of nod my head and he goes, you know, the chocolate cake. And it was so delicious. Yeah, it was so delicious. It was amazing. And he said, uh, when I'm around you, it's like eating chocolate cake. It's just really delightful. And I just wanted more of that. And I'm like, who says that? And I got the sense that there was no BS there. I mean, it was all true. He really was communicating to me that I was delightful to him, that there was a sweetness and maybe a charm to me, that being around me brought him joy and pleasure, loving kindness, that he favored me. I mean, he was exhibiting and sort of bestowing on me this gift of grace. And it, it messed with me. I mean, it, I've never forgotten it. I will never forget it. It's one of these memories that have absolutely marked me. And um, so that was one time that I have experienced grace. And I think that's part of what it means, is grace is not just getting let off the hook. It's being delighted in. It's being... It's, it's having someone that is experiencing joy by just being around you. For my 30th birthday, this was November 8th, 2000, the year 2000, uh, Mary, my wife, uh, secretly, I didn't know, she went around to all the people that I loved and asked them to write a page of something that they saw in me, something they loved about me, something that delighted them about me. And she collected all these things. Gosh, there was probably... There's a couple dozen at least. There's maybe 30 or maybe 40. Um, and these people expressed in words all the ways that they love me and all the ways that I delight them just by being around them. And on my 30th birthday in the morning, I remember this little round coffee table we had. 
uh, in the kitchen. That was kind of our, that's where we ate our meals, just a tiny little like bistro table. She presented this thing to me and I read through it and it was such a gift. It was, it was just an amazing gift. And then for my 40th birthday, uh, which was 2010, November 8th, she just told me, Hey, I want you to block out this eight hour period from about three o'clock in the afternoon on my actual birthday, you know, through the night. And she didn't tell me what was going to happen, but, um, she started to work with, you know, my, my coworkers. And what she did is she invited six of my best friends and she created a day that I would just love. And it started with a tour of the summit brewery. I love craft beer and Minnesota makes just some of the best craft beer around indeed dangerous man. But Summit is is sort of the St. Paul favorite. And so we toured Summit Brewery. is great. We we had all these tastings. And then we went to this place, downtown Minneapolis, where we could smoke cigars. And that's just a guilty pleasure, but I love it. I love sitting, talking to people, slowly savoring uh, a great cigar. And we did that for an hour or two, had some drinks. And then we went to my favorite restaurant in Minneapolis. It's called the 112 Eatery. It's right on First Avenue and Third Avenue North or Third Street North, and it is the best. So creative. The chef there is so fun. Creative. The menu is all over the place. And uh, so I'm going to put the link to the menu and the place in my show notes. You got to check it out, stevelings.com. If you live in Minneapolis or if you're anywhere near Minneapolis, you have to go to the 112. It is so good. And if you go there, you have to have the 112 burger. It's this brie burger, and it's soaked in butter, and it is just to die for. It is so good. So Mary organized this day for me, and it was just such a blast. I absolutely loved it. And um, I got to delight in my friends, and the gift of it from Mary to me was that she delighted in me. She was showing me that I... Um, bring her joy. And she brought me joy by by doing this. And so uh, grace is is just so much bigger than being let off the hook. It's it's this beautiful word that that uh, that uh, means to delight in someone. And so I think one of the questions we have to ask ourselves is, you know if if we want to create a world that is more and more beautiful, and if we want to create a life that is more and more expansive, and if we want to bring out really uh, what's holy about our humanity, we have to start asking the question, how do we give grace to people? I mean, how, what if we became some of the most intentional people on the planet in terms of giving grace to people? What if we became experts in giving grace to those we love, strangers, those we work with? And I think if you wanted to do that, uh, you would have to ask the question, what would delight this person. Like, so think of someone in your mind that, you know, might not be even that hard to delight in, to give grace to. So, you know, get their picture, their face, get their name in your mind, and then ask yourself the question, what would delight them? What would just delight them? Uh, One of my dear friends, his name is Steve Haynes. I get to work with him. And he asks the greatest questions. He loves getting to know people, loves loving people well. And I told him a story once of when I was young. I just love creating things. I always have always loved creating. That's just that's just what I do. I love creating. And I made the, this model of Fenway Park. I, I used um, this green felt and these white lines and this cardboard. I made the greed monster, and I loved it. I played my Star Wars figures on it. I think Yoda was shortstop. Han Solo, of course, was third base. Uh, Chewbacca was first because he's tall. Um, 
and it was I, it was it was so fun. And and I and I said, you know, I really love to create things with my sons, especially Isaac, my oldest son. And so he went online and he found this model of Fenway Park, this thing that you kind of build, this kit that you build. And he sent it to me, and he said, I want you to have fun with your son Isaac. It's like, I mean, that is grace, right? I mean, he knew that I would delight in that. And he just gave it to me, a total free gift. And um, uh, I have my, uh, one of my good friends, his name is Stefan, just long, long, long-term friend. He's a great musician. He's put out a couple records. And uh, I, I encourage you, I'm going to put the links to the, his records on iTunes on my show notes. So check it out, stevewings.com, Stefan Van Voorst. Uh, and one time he was getting ready for this big show and it was a CD release party for his first solo record, really great record. And, um, a few of my brother-in-law, Joel, uh, said, man, what if, what if we pooled together as friends and what if we bought him a new guitar? Because his guitar was kind of falling apart and there was this certain kind of guitar McPherson, which is really expensive, but they're made so well and they're just sounds so gorgeous. So a bunch of friends got together and we bought him a McPherson. And the day that we were setting up for his show, uh, we got to give it to him. And he was just, he was so blown away. And it was so fun to give someone something that we knew he would just be delighted in. And he would have no, I mean, he, just, there was no way in the world he would ever have guessed that that would ever happen. It just was so beyond anything he ever hoped for. Uh, I think, and it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was grace, right? And so, um, my friend, I have another friend, Jana, she's a pastor in my denomination, the Covenant Church, and uh, I was just talking to her yesterday, two days ago, we were at this event together, and we were talking about having twins, and, uh, you know, uh, Mary and I have twins, uh, and she said, oh yeah, you know, I have this friend, I have these friends that had twins and they, they were just such in a fog. I mean, they hardly knew how to even function. So she said, what I did for a year, every Thursday night, I would just come over and I would take care of the kids. I would do laundry. I would cook meals. She said, whatever they needed, I would do. And I just looked at her and I said, Jonna, you have, I don't think you have any idea the gift that you gave them. And I mean, that they could maybe take a nap uh, maybe go out for dinner, uh, maybe just, you know, maybe go shopping. I mean, just something when you have little kids, it's just so, it's, it's so hard to have any sense of sanity. So for her to give them once a week, a few hours on a Thursday night out of her schedule, I mean, just huge gift. A few years ago, I started this blog and, um, I called it the actual pastor. And my goal was to talk about life as is in my actual life, not the life that I would dream up, not the ideal life, but the actual life. And my whole goal was to write posts that delighted people uh, by me talking about my raw and pretty unedited life. Um, it was really another way of talking about what's holy about our humanity. That's just all I'm doing. Uh, I just did it in blog form, and I still write, uh, and you can find it on steveweens.com. But um, I'm saying that a lot, steveweens.com. Starting to sound sorry, starting to sound salesmany. Strike that. Anyway, I just want you to find it if 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 you would like to. But one time I wrote this post. Um, and I, and I called it to parents of small children, let me be the one to say it out loud. And I was just in this really raw spot where it was so hard. The kids were so young and it was so all-encompassing. And, and there was my, my sense of self was just being erased. And my whole life was just one long series of attending to little people's needs, little tyrants' needs. And so I wrote this blog post to parents of small children, let me be the one to say it out loud. And I published it. 
and it went absolutely viral. I mean, it was like, I think more than 2 million people have, have, have viewed it by, by this time. And the reason is because I think I gave people the gift of being honest. That if you are in the fog of having, you know, two or three small children that have some uh, needs, uh, you are you are not going to be the perfect parent. You're going to do things that surprise you, shock you, that shame you. Uh, you're going to feel things and about your kids that you would never admit to anyone, and you feel so terrible. But what I wanted to do is just kind of lay it out and and say you are not uh, crazy if you're feeling this. And the response I got was was really sweet, actually. And I think. I got to give the gift of honesty to people, and um, I think it was grace. I think it was grace. It's 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 grace to know that you're not alone when you're totally, completely losing it. So how to give grace? Uh, think what will delight that person, and then just try to give it away. You're going to do it imperfectly, but you're going to find that when you do this, when it comes from an authentic place within you, and you can't give a lot of grace like when you're in this terrible spot, when you're down in the dumps, when you're totally foggy. But when you do have some resources and you can give some grace, it, it's really energizing. It's, it's, it's really, uh, it, it, it brings you delight as well as the other person. So let's talk about how to receive grace. I think you got to start really small because I think receiving grace is actually very, very difficult most of us feel like we don't deserve it. Most of us kind of try to shoot away, poo-poo it. Most of us, uh, we don't know how to receive something that someone really gives us. And so, you know, an example of this is maybe someone comes up and they say, hey, I love your shoes, or hey, I love your shirt, your jeans, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, you know, instead of just saying thank you, I, I love them too. I got them because I love them. And they're great, aren't they? Um, why do we have to sort of shimmy around it and say, well, oh, you know, I got it, I got it on sale, or oh, man, I got it at Target, or oh, you know, not, it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, we sort of, we downplay it in, instead of saying just simply thank you, and I love them too. I've really tried to get good at just saying thank you. If someone says, hey, good job in your sermon, or hey, you know, I love your writing, or blah, 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 uh, I just have tried to say thank you. I, I got this big white watch. It's white on white, and it's just, I love it. Uh, and I do love it. I mean, I just love it. I love how it looks. And, and people, it's, it's kind of big and sort of trendy, and people notice it. And there's, a, again, the t- tendency, you know, and, and it, was, it was kind of cheap. I mean, it wasn't that expensive. Um, so I have the tendency to go, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, yeah, it was only 40 bucks. But what I'm trying to do now is just to say thank you. Uh, I love shoes. Uh, I mean, I really do. I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not like I have a million shoes, but... I like shoes, and so and people, you know, people notice. Hey, I like shoes. Just say thank you. Um, or when someone offers to pick up the check when you go out to dinner, just say thank you. You really don't have to do this fake fight to no, I'll take it. No, I'll to no, I got it. You got it. I got it. You got it. Just say thank you. This will increase your ability to be a person who receives grace because the truth is, you are worthy to receive someone delighting in you. You are worthy of receiving a gift. And I think every time you catch yourself saying, oh, no, you know, it was on sale or, oh, no, uh, I'm not going to let you pick up my check. Just say to yourself, I am worthy to receive the gift. And if you're really ballsy, say it out loud. Say, you know what? No. You know what? Thank you. I'm worthy to receive a gift. It might freak someone out. Uh, But remember, grace is that which affords joy or pleasure or delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. 
Give someone the gift of letting them give something to you. It's really fun to actually think about someone and give them a gift that's thoughtful and then have them just receive it. And it actually kind of takes something away from the gift if if you fight it. If you, no, no, I'm not going to let you do that. Can we just agree? Can, can we just, just say a big, this good word, like promise, I will stop doing that. I will just say thank you. Someone someone says, hey, you know, you look great or hey, nice haircut or nice, you know, shirt, pants, jeans, watch. How about just saying thank you, right? Thank you. So how to give grace, what will delight someone else, how to receive grace, just say thank you. And maybe you need this mantra of I'm worthy to receive a gift. I'm worthy to receive a gift. So now let's talk about uh, the two biggest obstacles, at least in my mind, to receiving grace. And I want to dive into this, this story found in the New Testament. Jesus tells it. It's probably maybe his most famous parable. Uh, but I think uh, it's so familiar that it's unfamiliar as well. And I think there's so much more to this parable. But it's some people call it the parable of the prodigal son. Some people call it the parable of the good father. Uh, but I think you probably know the story. It's this youngest so there's this family, uh, there's a father and two sons. There's a younger son and an older son. And the younger son makes this really, really rude and bold request. He requests to get his inheritance early before his father dies, which is essentially saying, you're dead to me right now, family, and I'm going to go away, and I'm going to take the inheritance, and I'm just going to spend it on whatever I want it to. He'd be leaving the family business. It's very offensive, very extremely offensive. And the whole town would have known about it. The whole town would have been whispering about it, and it would have brought shame to the father, big shame to the father. But in this story that Jesus tells, the father lets the younger brother go, and the younger brother goes. And he spends money on, it says he squanders it on wild living. And so we don't know what that means. Uh, you could probably, you know, do, you can imagine what it means and imagine what you might do if you just totally broke loose and had absolutely no limits uh, it'd probably be really, really fun for a little while, and then it would probably get really, really, really old. So in this story, the youngest brother spends it all, and he becomes penniless, and he doesn't have any food. He's eating pig slop. It's really disgusting, which as a Jewish person, you can't even imagine it. I mean, it's the most unclean thing available, imaginable. Uh, it's, it's, it's saying that he's sunk to the lowest depths possible. So he decides to go back home, and he has the speech all laid out. He's going to ask his father if he can just be a servant. I, I obviously I'm no longer your son, and it's scandalous to even receive me back as a servant, but he asks. And the father, it says, he, he sees him coming when he's still a long way off. And, and, and that says to me that this father has been missing him. This father has been waiting for him to come back. This father has been hoping beyond hope that this long lost son who has left everybody, cut all ties, and basically said, you're, you're dead to me. He, he has hoped. He's been looking for this younger son. And when this younger son comes back, he tries to say the speech, but the father does this crazy, scandalous thing. Instead of um, throwing him out or, yes, you can be a servant, he puts a robe around his shoulders, and he puts a ring on his finger, and he slaughters the fattened calf, and he has a huge party, invites the whole village. And remember, the whole village uh, would have looked down on the father, and it would have brought great shame. But, but, the, but the father says, my son who was lost, he's found, and so we have to party. And it's like, you know, the son, you can just, I mean, he just, he, he has no other recourse but to receive this delight, this joy, this pleasure, this sweetness that the father is bestowing in him, which, which there was no way in the world that he would ever deserve. 
And so, I mean, I think the, so, so the first biggest obstacle to receiving grace is hanging on to this thing of I don't deserve it. So, I mean, there, there is the possibility in this story, if it was actually in real life, that, that the son would have said, no, 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 no. I don't deserve it. I'm, I only deserve to be a servant. And he could have fought it all the way and just been a servant. But, but um, and I think so many times we do this. We, we fight the good gifts that come to us and we reject them because we think we don't deserve it. So that's the first biggest obstacle. But the second biggest obstacle is found in the older brother. And the older brother was out working as he's always doing. He's very responsible. Um, and he comes in, he sees this party. He asks one of the servants, hey, what's going on? The servant says, your younger brother has come back and your father's thrown a big party for him. And the older brother just is incensed. And but here's what's so beautiful: the, the the father notices that he's missing from the party. He notices that his son, whom he loves, the older son, he that he's not there. So he goes out and he says, "Son, um, you know where where are you?" And and the older son just loses it. He says, "Dad, why 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 didn't you ever throw a party for me? Why does this guy who doesn't deserve anything get get the party?" It's full of blame, uh, full of fear, full of shame, full of judgment, full of righteousness, full of all these things. And the father's response is just so full of grace. It's, and I can't believe he said this. I mean, he could have said so many things. Could have shamed him for not being happy. Could have said, you know, son, whatever. But he said, son, I am always with you and all I have is yours. I have always been with you and I'll always be with you. And all I have is yours. The fattened calf is yours, son. Your inheritance is yours. Myself is yours. My presence is yours. And so the hidden treasure in this story is that the father gives grace to both sons, neither of whom deserved it. The biggest obstacle for the older brother is that he felt like he had to earn it. He said, Father, I've worked for you my whole life. And that's so like, can you imagine having a kind of relationship with your dad where you're earning it the whole time? And yes, you can, because many of you, that is your relationship with your dad. You've had to earn it the whole time. Um, and so the second biggest obstacle is feeling like you have to earn a gift. And what this beautiful story says is that, is that you don't. You absolutely don't. The beautiful truth, uh, at least as it relates to the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God who loves you, is this. It's found in 2 Corinthians 9.8. And God is able to make all grace, all charis, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you may abound in every good work. God is able to make all delight, all loveliness, all goodwill, all loving kindness, all favor abound to you so that you can do so many amazing things. That's the kind of God we have and the God that we have is not full of judgment, is not waiting for you to get it right, is not even primarily just about letting you off the hook, though that is part of it. The God in the universe that knows you by name delights in you. Brings You bring God joy, pleasure. When God thinks of you, God feels a kind of sweetness and charm, a loveliness is coming off of you when God thinks about you, goodwill. You are... God's favored one. And so uh, at our church, Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, this beautiful little quirky church plant that we started a year ago, 
we celebrate communion every week. And communion is also called the Eucharist. That's what we call it. And Eucharist comes from the root word charis grace. And it means the great thanksgiving, the great pleasure, the great delight, the great goodwill, the great favor. And we do it every single week because we believe that people need to experience the goodness of God in a really tangible earthly way. They need to take the body of Christ in, the blood of Christ in. They need to receive it as a way of saying that, that, that God can make all grace abound to you and it can be earthy and tangible and real. And so every week, uh, almost every week, we have extra. Um, we have extra juice and extra bread. And, no, and, and the most radical, beautiful tradition started. I don't know when it started. I don't know how it started. But all the kids in our community will gather around the extra bread and the extra juice. And they will just joyfully scarf it down and drink it down. And it is the most beautiful thing that I have ever seen. Um, and I want to make it real clear, if you come from a, from a tradition where you, know, you think that's, that's um, sacrilegious, man, I'm not trying to bring something, uh, you know, sort of sacrilegious. I, you know, we have a little bit lower tradition maybe than you do. Um, we believe that the very best way to show the grace of God is to make it just abundantly available, especially to our kids. And so they just tear into it and eat it. And I love the fact that the kids in our community are learning that there is enough, that God showers grace on them, that God delights in them, that God brings joy to them and pleasure to them. So grace, everybody, may you become a person who learns to receive grace and give grace. And may you learn to do that more and more and more. And may you learn to receive the grace that God gives to you. So last thing I want to do is tell you what's blowing my mind. And it's really something that it's not necessarily blowing my mind these days, but it's blown my mind for about 20 years. It's the best book on grace I've ever read. It's by Brennan Manning. It's called Abba's Child. And Brennan Manning struggled his whole life with alcoholism. He never really beat it. He, but he learned to experience a God that delighted him in him, even in and through some of his real, real humanity, even when he would lose it and be drunk in a puddle. He understood the fact that God loves him just as much then as he did if he was preaching to thousands and thousands of people. So I want to encourage you to pick up Abba's Child by Brandon Manning. That too will be on my show notes, so check it out uh, on my website. And um, the verses that I've shared, uh, the 112 Eatery, my blog, To Parents of Small Children, that'll all be on there. The link to Stefan's music, that'll be on there as well. And also, if you want to connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and especially uh, if you want to read the first two chapters of my new book, Beginnings, which releases in January through NavPress, there's a link on there for that, and you can just download it. This is my gift to you. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it, and uh, I hope you get the sense that we're in it together. So friends, uh, we are, we are human, and we are holy. We are dust, and we are breath. We're limited, and we're limitless. We are in this together my friends. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you so much for taking the time for this. Peace.